0: Started reading the Bible, I would I would get so confused about how everything works, okay, and I would be really ashamed about like wow everybody else seems to know exactly where they're going and I have no idea, uh, and I felt like it was like sinning to look at the table of contents. I don't know why. You can look at the table of contents. It's okay, all right. And if you really need help, you can ask your neighbor.
1: But First John is
0: actually pretty easy to find because it's right near the back. So if you go to the back and you just start going, you're going to see up at the top it says Revelation, that's the last book of the Bible, and then 1 John is literally like two pages before (laughs) Revelation starts. It's actually, there's like three little books in between, okay, but then you get to the book of 1 John. In this Bible, it's on page 660, is where it starts. If you have a little Bible that we just passed out, it's on page 227. 227 in that one, so it's very near the end. And just so you know, so the, the name of the book is First John. That's how you say it. Even though it says One John, we say First John. <laughs> and then Bible uh, books of the Bible are divided into chapters and verses. And so the chapters are the big numbers that it starts with. So it starts with chapter one, and then the verses start in every chapter, and they're the little bitty numbers that you almost can't see in there. So. So you can see chapter 1, verse 2, whatever. So that's kind of how we navigate that. It'll take you a little bit to get used to it. That's fine. It's okay, all right, if you're not used to working on the Bible. But we're going to be reading the book of 1 John this whole semester. Okay, we've already done some awesome stuff this semester. We're just getting started, okay? And I'm pumped about the book of 1 John. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible because it answers a couple of important questions. So the first question, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? If you're new here to UNT, uh, you will probably find that you are you are going to hear a number of responses to that question: Who is Jesus? Okay. Maybe you've got a friend and they're a Muslim, and you ask them, "Who is Jesus?" Well, they would say that Jesus was a prophet, like Moses or Muhammad. Okay. Or you might have somebody in your class that's a skeptic, and they would say. Jesus didn't even exist, okay? There's no historical evidence to prove that he was there. It was just some crazy conspiracy that this really weird community of people made up 2,000 years ago. Or you might find some other people, kind of middle of the road, that just say, You know what? I think Jesus was a great man. I think he was a really good teacher. I love what he had to say about love and mercy and peace. But he was just that. He was a man. Nothing more He was a great man, but his greatness, after he was martyred, caused his disciples to create some kind of mythology around him, and they started referring to him like he was a god, and next thing you know, a whole religion started, but Jesus never wanted that. He was just a great man. You may not hear... Uh, Another argument, back in the 1st century, when the book of 1st John was written, so 2,000 years ago, back in the 1st century, you might have had a friend that was what we call today a Gnostic. And the Gnostics believed in something called docetism. Say that, say docetism. (laughs) Docetism. Alright, that's your new fun word for today. If Gnostic wasn't a fun enough word. Docetism is from a Greek word that means to appear, or to seem. And so the Gnostics held this belief called docetism, that they said that they thought Jesus was actually a god, but he only appeared to be a man. That there was nothing human about him, there was nothing flesh and bones about him, he just seemed like he was a man. And we're going to study throughout the the semester more about what the Gnostics believed, but, but that just goes to show that even in the first century, there were all kinds of different answers to that question, who is Jesus? And maybe you're here today, and you're kind of wondering, who is Jesus really? But then there's another question that stems out of however you answer that question, who is Jesus? There's another question, and that is, who is a Christian? And so maybe you're in here, and you're not a Christian. And if you're in here, and you're not a Christian, I'm so happy that you're here. Okay? You're welcome here. You're welcome in our small groups. This is not a place... Where we beat up non-believers. Okay, this is not a place where you're going to be uh, argued with or, or shut down. Okay, this is a safe place where you can ask lots of good questions. We're we're glad that you're here, but I don't know what you how you would answer that question. Who is a Christian? Maybe you'd say, "Yeah." In my experience, Christians are really judgmental, or Christians are just kind of weird, and they like to meet together in rooms and sing songs. <laughs> Okay, or maybe you say, yeah, those Christians are the ones that hate gays and vote Republican. Maybe that's how you answer that question. Or maybe you're in here and you you think that you're a Christian. And so you say, a Christian is somebody that goes to church. A Christian is somebody that reads their Bible. A Christian is somebody that shares their faith. A Christian is somebody that listens to Christian music only. A Christian is somebody <laughs> that does these things. And so that's a question too. And that those two questions, who is Jesus and who is a Christian? Those are the two questions that the book of First John is answering. That's it. And I love this book because there's lots of books in the Bible of varying degrees and different genres and different, but the book of First John is so simple and so straightforward. It's like you don't have to you know wrestle with any of it. It's just like here's how it is. I love it. It's a lot of people's favorite books. I think just that it's really easy to read. But it's trying to answer those questions. And so by way of introduction today, introduction to the book of 1 John, I just want to kind of answer broadly those two questions. Who is Jesus and who is a Christian? And I'm going to do that using an illustration. And so maybe you're here and maybe you're a Christian and you've, you've already seen this before. You know all about this. This is called the bridge illustration. If you've seen this. Maybe, I know if you're in the BSM at all, if you've been around the BSM, you've seen this. Okay? And so you might be tempted to say, well I already know this, I'm going to check you out. Don't do that. Because if you know this, what I'm about to show you is one of the best evangelistic tools that we have. You can do this on a napkin when you're talking to a friend. Most of anybody in here a visual learner? I am. I went to art school. Okay? I have to see a picture. It doesn't make sense. Okay? So this is a cool picture of exactly what it is that Christians believe. This is a cool picture that answers that question. Who is Jesus and who is uh, a Christian? Okay? And so I'm going to go through this. And again, if you're not a Christian... This is, this is going to tell you exactly what we believe. This is the heart of Christianity. This is really what I'm about to do, the whole story of the Bible. In like 10 minutes, I hope. Okay? And so, you should know, even if you're not a Christian, I'd say if you're a good citizen of the world, you should know what the very first few words of the Bible say. Okay? In the beginning, God. I'm going to stop right there. It says more, but I'm gonna stop right there. I'm gonna say, in the beginning, God. We believe in God. And if you're in here and you say, I don't believe in God, okay, I would love to talk to you about that. Okay, that's valid. I would love to have that conversation with you. But you shouldn't be surprised if a bunch of Christians got into a room and are assuming that God exists. Okay. <laughs> so as far as as far as these purposes go. I'm just going to take it as a given that God exists. Because after all, universes don't start themselves. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was good. It was perfect. It had everything that all life would need to be sustained. God is in the presence of that. And in the midst of this creation, this heaven and the earth, God created a man and he created a woman. And in this perfect universe that God created for them, it was designed for relationships. And so the man and the woman were in a perfect relationship with each other. And they were in a perfect relationship with creation. And most importantly, they were in a perfect relationship with God. And God looked at everything and said, man, this is very good. And in the midst of this perfect creation, God put another tree. And now we don't have a whole lot of time to get into everything that we could talk about this tree, okay? But, But for our purposes tonight, we're going to say, God put a tree in the midst of this creation, and he says, of this one tree, there's lots of other trees that are all bearing fruit for the people to eat, because everything's perfect, they don't need anything. He says, but of this one tree, don't eat. Don't eat the fruit from this one tree. And there's a lot of questions as to why he did that. But, but for our purposes, let's just say that what God was doing was he was giving this man and this woman a choice. Because after all, every relationship ultimately comes down to a choice, doesn't it? Anybody in here ever been in a relationship? Okay. Don't raise your hand. No, no, You're going to... No, no, no and jealous, man. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we are familiar with the idea of relationships, aren't we? Okay? We know how a relationship works. I've been married for three years. There's my wife back there. She's got the hat on. <laughs> her <name's> her. <laughs> now, let me ask you this. If, if you were in a relationship and your partner and that relationship um, had no choice, but to do exactly what you told them to do. They could never disobey you. They could never disagree with you. If you asked for anything, they would have to do that thing. What would that be like? I mean, I think at first it would be like, that would be kind of fun. I could really get somewhere else. (laughs) But then very quickly you would say, but this isn't love. This isn't a relationship. This is slavery. This is a robot. Love, a relationship, always necessitates it's a choice, doesn't it? And so what God was doing when he was putting this tree here and giving them a commandment, saying, don't eat from this tree, what he was doing was he was giving them, giving them the opportunity to love him. Just like he loved them. He said, will you love me and keep my commandments? Will you love me and make this choice to respond in faith that what I say is in your best interest? Would you love me and choose to live in a way that pleases me? And if you're familiar at all with the story of the Bible, what we know is that instead of obeying God and loving Him, they made a different choice. They decided to go against God's plan for them and for creation. And what we call that is sin. Sin is when you do anything that disagrees with God's plan, His commandments, His order for the way the universe is supposed to work. And mankind sins. There's a verse in the book of Isaiah chapter 59 verse 2 that says that your sin separates us from God. Your sin separates you from God. So where there is this perfect relationship between man and God, now there is a separation. Now there is a chasm between man and God. And so where there is a relationship with their source of life, it's been severed. They've been cut off. And where that relationship was cut off, we see all of these other relationships get cut off. And people don't love each other the way that they're supposed to. People don't even view and love themselves the way that they should. We abuse the environment. We take more from it than we should. We are hiding things from one another. There's war. There's disease. There's poverty. Would anybody in here be bold enough to say that the world is as good as it could be? That's because of sin. Everything broke. There's a Bible verse, Romans chapter 3, 23, that says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And there's another verse, Romans chapter 6, 23. A. that means the first half of the verse, so remind me to come back to the second half because it's important. But Romans 6.23a says that the wages of sin is death. What's a wage? It's something that you earn, what you deserve. What you deserve for sin is death. Now, it's not an immediate death. But it's kind of like when you've got your laptop and you unplug it, okay? it's been disconnected. It's been severed from its source of life. And so even though it's still on, it's still doing what it was there to do, if nothing changes, every moment it's dying a little bit. And that's what's going on with us. And deep down inside we know it. Don't And so what we're trying to do is frantically plug back into something that's going to give us life. And so we're running around all over here trying to find things that can save us, things that can make us feel right again, things that can make us feel like everything is good like it was in the beginning. And so maybe it's a relationship or maybe it's if I got this degree in school or maybe if I went out and did this on the weekend, just something to make me feel like I'm supposed to because something's wrong. It doesn't work. Do you know what, guys? Some people spend their whole lives just running around in a dead and dying world trying to find something to breathe life back into them. It doesn't work. But some people, some people realize that what they're really missing is something that can't be found on this side of this chasm. They don't Maybe maybe they don't know what, what this is, maybe it's too far away or it's too abstract, but something in them knows that the reason that everything is broken is because of this thing called sin, because of the things that are wrong, the things that I do wrong, the things that are wrong with everybody else, and I feel like there's something good and perfect on that other side that I want to try and get to. And so some people go about this program of trying to erase their sin so that they can Bridge this gap and get back to this perfect source of life that deep down in their hearts they know it is there. And so they think if I can just stop sinning, maybe I can get back. Or even better, if I can start canceling out my sins with good deeds, then maybe I can get back to this God. It really, um, it really makes me sad, but a lot of times when I'm out on campus and I ask somebody, do you think that you're going to go to heaven? Or or why why would someone go to heaven? You know what they say? You know what they think? If I ask them, why would you why do you think that you're gonna to go to heaven? And I say, well, I'm mostly a good person. I don't steal from anybody. I haven't done too much stuff wrong. I mean, sure, I've lied once or twice, but, but I've always come clean. Or I haven't murdered anybody. I mean, I'm pretty good. I go and feed the homeless. I did this mission trip one time, okay? And they think about all of these reasons that they're good. And they think that heaven is like where they can get to this place and give God a receipt of all of the good things that they've done. And he's like, sweet, you're in. Somehow we can get across to God by our own efforts or by our own strength. You know what that makes me think of? Did anybody run track and field when they were growing up? A few people? Okay. I did uh, a field event called Triple Jump. Okay? Anybody know what that is? It's kind of like Long Jump, but there's three jumps. Uh, <laughs> it's called <the> Triple jump. <laughs> So, so I, did, I did the triple jump. You run, and you jump, and you jump, and then you go as far as you can, and you try to land in the sand pit, you know? And so you're trying to go out as far as you can. And I don't think I was very good, okay? I think the best that I ever got was like 32 feet or something like that, okay? Uh, I looked up the world record triple jumper. He's a guy from Britain. 59 feet. He almost doubled me. <laughs> Okay. And so, if, if there was like, you know, we're standing like in the movies and I'm standing on one building and we've got to get to the roof of the other building and it is 33 feet. <laughs> I'm done. But this dude's got like room to spare, you know? It's no problem for him. But if he and I were lined up at the edge of the Grand Canyon, even though he's twice as good as I am, What's going to happen to both of us? Yeah. No matter how good you think you are or how hard you try at being good, you cannot get over there. It. it is too far. It is inseparable. And so we are trapped on this side. That is our condition. That is how we are. Remember when I said that love necessitates a choice? We've made our choice. But God made a different choice. So if you've got your Bible, we're going to be in 1 John and look at chapter 4. So like I said, the chapters are the big numbers for chapter 4. This is on page 661 in this blue Bible. And this is chapter 9. All right, I'm sorry, verse 9. Chapter 4, verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His Son into the world, so that we might live through Him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That's another big word, propitiation. We're going to talk all about what that means when we get to it. But a propitiation is a sacrifice, it's an atonement. Did you hear what he said? This is love. Not that we love God, we can't. But that God loved us and sent his son. To be the propitiation for our sins. So God, the Son, was on this side and alone was able to come to this side because He made everything. That's easy for Him. He's God. So God came to us and lived as a man. Jesus of Nazareth was born and grew up and lived. Perfectly as a man. And because he lived perfectly as a man, he was the only man that could go back over to that side. He didn't have the weight of sin separating him from God. He alone was connected to the source of life, And so, this man, Jesus, was the one guy that could go back and forth if he wanted to. He never had to die. But what did it say? That the love of God was manifested in that he sent the Son of God to be a sacrifice. For our sins. So this man, Jesus, instead of all that he had earned, his wages of all of his good deeds, his perfect life, instead of being reconciled to God, he willingly went into this separation for us. He died. He was hung on a cross. And was laid in a tomb. And he stayed in that tomb for three days. dead. Then on the third day, because not only was he man, but he was also God, he rose from the dead. And then he ascended back to the Father. And in this perfect cycle of coming and dying and being raised and returning, what Jesus did was he made a bridge between man and God. So to come back to our very first question, who is Jesus? Well, Jesus is God, and He is man. And He has to be both. He has to be both. Because only God is able to come to us. Only God is able to come and be perfect. But only a man is able to die in our place. So if you take one or both of those out of the way, we lose everything. If Jesus was just a man, that's great, but he's got nothing to do with God. And he might be a really, really good man, but he's still falling into the Grand Canyon. And if Jesus is just God, like the Gnostics said, if he didn't really come in the flesh, then how did he die? For our sins, the death that we deserve to die. No, he has to be both. Jesus is the God-man. But then that other question, then who is a Christian? And the answer is really easy. Whoever believes this. If you think that you go to heaven any other way than apart from Christ coming and dying in your place on the cross, if you think that you get to heaven by your good deeds, that's not Christian. If you think you get to heaven because you go to church, or you listen to Lecrae and Sadashi, or you read your Bible, or any of those, if you think those are the things that earn you on that side, I'm sorry, that's not Christian. But if you believe that your access to God is because Jesus has bridged the gap, He has brought God and man together again, if you believe that, then and only then are you a Christian. But then what John would also say, Is that the way that you know that you're a Christian goes all the way back to that tree that was right there. Will you love God by keeping His commandments? Is your heart one that says, God, I trust you. And whatever you command, I'll do because I love you. Whatever you ask of me, whatever you will for me, whatever you want for me, that is what I will do. Your heart, one that avoids sin—not that we can perfectly avoid it. Okay, we're still being bridged back. This is still in process. But if you harbor sin in your heart and you don't care, if you walk in the darkness and there are things that are hidden that you think God doesn't care about that, God wouldn't mind if I went against His word this way. If you are walking around and you don't love God as is exhibited in keeping His commandments. And friends, you might not be a Christian. And the way that that most works itself out is look at verse 11 of that chapter we were just reading. Beloved, if God so loves us, we also ought to love one another. And so that's the other mark that you're going to hear. This is the book of love in the Bible. And it says, God loved us like this, to die that we can have life. If you do not love others that way, then friends, you're not a Christian. You're not willing to lay down your life because he's saying, Beloved, if God loved us like this, it should be the natural overflow that we would love others. That we, just because just like Jesus reconciled this relationship, we should be in the business of reconciling and all of them. We should be about the work of tending to the garden and and loving others in the way that that God has created us to love them. But all of this works itself out in love because God has so loved us. This is the gospel. This is what Christians believe. So look at chapter 1 and we're going to close with this. Chapter 1 of 1 John. John says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. That's Jesus. So all those people that say, Jesus didn't exist, well, this is a first person account that says we saw him, we touched him, we knew him, Jesus. The life. may be complete so that's why this book is here because John is writing from this side of the divide and all of the other Christians are standing over here and we're having a party we have fellowship with one another and we have joy but he's writing these things to you that you would come over to this side and fellowship with us that our joy might be complete so I'm going to ask you in your heart Which side are you on? If you're grieved right now, and you say, I think I'm on this side, then friends, good news. Jesus of Nazareth was born, and he died for you, so that you can have access to God by faith. So come in to our fellowship. Join us. And if you're here and you're saying, I'm on this side, this news to all of the ones that we want to have fellowship with. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for the book of 1 John. Thank you for the time that we need to study this together. God, thank you for our small groups. I pray that you would go with us and help us to discuss, continue to discuss these things that we heard. Uh, I pray that you would bear fruit in all of our lives according to the love that you have poured into our hearts. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.